chapter number 9, and uh, we'll go right into preaching tonight because we uh, have a lot of folks that are sick that do our special singing, and so uh, we'll not have that tonight. And I don't know about you, but uh, I miss the choir. I miss special singing, amen, and uh, I, I like all of it, amen, and uh, I like the good congregational singing that we had tonight, uh, but I tell you, I enjoy every part of the service, so we certainly do want to pray for these folks that are sick and pray that God will touch them, but then we have a great revival meeting, amen, and I tell you, God sure met with us in spite of everything, and so I'm so glad the Lord's not bound, amen. Luke chapter number 9, if you'll look with us in verse number uh, 37, Luke chapter number 9 and verse number 37. The Bible says, And it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. Lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruising him hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a-coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do want to thank you tonight for the privilege we do have to pray. We thank you tonight for your people that have gathered in this place. And we pray for those tonight who are sick and unable to be here. I ask you, Lord, now if you would to please touch the preaching hour. Give us liberty. I ask you to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, thank you for uh, the good day that you've given us. We ask now your blessings upon the reading of thy word. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this evening. I want you to notice with me in verse number 37 that there is a popular phrase here. As the Bible says, and it came to pass. We see that phrase all throughout uh, the Word of God. And then we notice there's a particular period that is mentioned in verse number 37. The Bible says that on the next day, now that's important because the day before was very important, amen? On the, the day before they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. But now this is a, another day. This is a, a new day. The Bible said that on the next day, and then it talks about not only this particular period but there is a pointed path here the Bible says that when they were come down from the hill they have come off this mountain the Mount of Transfiguration and now they have come down the hill into the valley talking about Jesus and Peter and James and John as he took those three disciples up on that mountain that day and they saw Christ in all of his glory and Moses and Elijah in their glory and then they heard the voice of God as he spoke out of heaven. I mean they've seen a lot but now they've come down here uh, down this path to the bottom of this hill and I want you to notice the parade of people that are there. As the Bible said much people uh, met him. When Jesus got to the bottom of that hill it's interesting that there was a crowd that was waiting on him. Christ was on the mountaintop. 
top. But now he has come down to the bottom. And can I tell you, I wish we could live on the mountaintop all the time. I wish we could live in the glory and bask in the glory of God all the time. But there does come seasons in our life where we have to come down. Amen. Even if Jesus himself could not live on the mountaintop all the time, it's proof that you and I cannot live on the mountain all the time. Where there are valleys that we must face uh, and there are valleys that we must cross. Amen. When we come to this text tonight, it's interesting that this text emphasizes a demon possession. It emphasizes disappointing preachers, uh, but it also emphasizes divine power. Amen. I mean, there's a boy that is demon possessed uh, and the disciples cannot help him, but I'm glad that when the disciples could not help him, Jesus could help him. Amen. I want to say tonight that uh, preachers can only go so far and sometimes even in that uh, we fail but there is a God that never fails amen and if we'll look to him we'll never be disappointed but what's interesting about this text is that when Jesus gets to the bottom of this hill he is surrounded by a company of people and in this company of people we'll notice tonight uh, that there is a man uh, at the bottom of this hill but he's not just at the bottom of this hill he's also at the bottom of life amen I mean this man has went as far as he can go he is at the bottom but he is also on the bottom amen he's about as low as a man can go and I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on when you're at the bottom but you're on the bottom amen I mean this man is in a valley literally but he's also in a valley spiritually tonight he's at the bottom He's all the way at the bottom, but more importantly, he's on the bottom. You know, there's been times in life when we could all testify that we have been on the bottom, amen? We've been on the, the bottom of life. Uh, the contrast in this text, uh, I think is even worth mentioning tonight. Uh, you see one, uh, listen, one event uh, happened on a mountain as Jesus was on that Mount of Transfiguration. But another event happened down in the valley. But the God on the mountain proves uh, that he's also God in the valley, amen? Uh, the same God that showed his glory on the mountain is the same God that showed his power down in the valley. Amen. On the mountain Jesus displays his glorious majesty and now it's down in the valley that Satan displays his ugly and his cruel violence upon this soul. Also in this text tonight there are two sons and both of them are viewed in this text. One of these sons is the son of God and the other son is a son of man. One of these sons is possessed by God. God possesses him for Christ was God in the flesh amen and the other son he is possessed by a devil by a demon one of these sons is the destroyer of demons while the other son is being destroyed by demons one son is earthly and he is sinful but the other son thank God is heavenly and he's sinless amen one son is helpless and he is hopeless but the other son he can help everybody and he can offer hope to anybody I'm telling you my friend whatever you and I can't the God that we serve can tonight amen he is able amen both of these sons end up being back with their fathers Jesus helps this son and takes him back and gives him to his father and Christ himself is crucified 
he is buried but thank God he rose again the third day and he went back and ascended to his own father amen I'm saying this is a great text tonight I want us to think about the man that's in this text and he is on the bottom he's at the bottom of this hill but more importantly he is on the bottom of life and I don't know tonight there may be somebody you may be on the bottom physically you may be on the bottom financially you may be on the bottom spiritually tonight but it doesn't really matter which of the three you are I want you to know tonight there's hope and there's help and there's healing in the Lord Jesus Christ I'm glad he can help us when we're on bottom amen the psalmist said I'll lift my eyes unto the hills sounds like he was on bottom amen he said my help cometh from the Lord tonight now I want you to notice the man in verse number 38 and I want, you to, I want you to see his desperation in verse 38. The Bible says, Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. I notice his desperation in this text. Uh, you can see his desperation in the company. He was a man of the company. And what I mean by that is that he does not care what the crowd thinks. Uh, uh, this man is standing in the midst of this crowd but he is beyond what the crowd thinks he is consumed with what Jesus thinks and more importantly what Jesus will do for him I'm going to tell you when you get desperate you'll forget what people around you think about you you'll forget what people's going to say about you I'm telling you when you get desperate you'll forget the crowd amen and this man is on the bottom he doesn't have anywhere else to go but up he doesn't have any other resources he doesn't have anyone else to stand in his corner I mean his desperation is seen in his company and then it is seen in his cry the Bible said that a man of the company he cried amen I mean you can hear his tears as he cries out he's not going to hold back his request and when he comes to Jesus it's not just a simple casual request but my friend there's desperation he is crying out to God amen I know that we can pray and that God will hear our prayers but sometimes praying involves us being earnest. It requires us getting desperate. You might be here tonight and say, Brother Gravely, I prayed about something and, and I hadn't really seen God do anything and I've been praying about it for some time. Well, I would encourage you to pray on, but I would also encourage you as myself, as well as myself tonight, to get earnest about it. You know, God does not want us to pay penance in prayer. He's not interested in you and I just, just praying so many prayers and when we pray so many prayers and he's holding out and then he'll give us something if we pray it. That's not the way God works. But it is in prayer that God, his delays are not always his denies. But the reason he delays is because God is wanting to work something in us before he does something for us. Amen. And that's what he is doing in this text. This man is at a point of desperation. He's beyond the company. He's beyond just what people think. And so in his desperation, he cries out to Jesus. I see his cry. We notice his desperation is seen in the child. Look what he said in verse 38. He said, for he is mine only child. You know, when you think about chapter 7, the widow of Nain, she had only one son. In chapter 8, Jairus only had one daughter. Jesus was the only 
begotten Son of God. When Jesus ran into that funeral where the widow of Nain was, he healed her son. When he ran into Jairus' daughter, when Jer- or to Jairus, when Jairus came to him, uh, listen, uh, uh, he healed that daughter. And now this man has come to him in this company, and he said, he's my only child. I can't help but to believe that Jesus is touched uh, by the fact that it is his only one. Now, he would have helped him ha- if it had ten, because he cares about every single one of them. Uh, and he loves us as if we're his only child. Isn't that right? Uh, but when he's down to just one, uh, he can hear the plea. He knows this is his only child. God only had one son and he gave his son. This man only has one son and he's not, he wants to help him. And I see here his desperation. Amen. Now I notice the man, his details. Look what he said in verse number 39. He begins to tell Jesus everything about the condition of his son. He says, uh, he talks about the demon. He says, lo, a spirit taketh him. This man is controlled by a devil. And I want to tell you, we're preaching to, and I'm not talking about you sitting here tonight, but I'm talking about this generation as a whole. We're preaching to a demonic generation. Amen. Uh, brother, demons are as real in 2024 as they were in Bible days. Uh, now they have different uh, a different medical term for it seems like everyone. And I'm not saying people that have certain medical conditions are demon possessed. Don't don't misunderstand that. But what I'm saying is is that they've got a pill and they've got a diagnosis for everything that goes on. Amen. Now I'm not a doctor tonight, so I can't tell you if somebody has a certain situation in life what's going on with them. I'm a preacher, not a physician. Amen. But what I can tell you is that there's some people that they don't need a pill in life. What they need is a good old-fashioned dose of salvation. Amen. I'm telling you, there's some things uh, that requires medication, and there are some things uh, it requires the great physician's touch. Amen. Uh, and because it's not a physical problem, it's not a mental problem, it's not an emotional problem. It is a spiritual problem. Amen. And you're not, you can't drug them out of this world. Uh, they need deliverance. Amen. Uh, I'm not preaching some hell and wealth uh, and some fake phony gospel. I'm just simply telling you tonight, uh, this man had a spirit, he had a demon, and that demon was controlling his life. Amen. Well, there's a lot of people like that, aren't they? We wonder why people say the things they say and do the things they do and live the way they live. I'm telling you, some of, you remember you remember this growing up when your parents would say this and other people would say it, and it was a true statement. You'd see somebody that was just evil, somebody that was just mean. And I'm talking about, I didn't have saved parents back then during that time. But you would maybe see something on the news or you would hear something. And I can remember my parents saying, well, you know what's wrong with them? Y'all know what I'm going to say? They're full of what? The devil. Y'all remember that saying? And they didn't blink when they say it or said it. They said, I'll tell you what's wrong with them. They're full of the devil. And then when I was a kid, they'd say, I'm going to beat the devil out of you. I assumed they thought I was full of the devil. Amen. And my parents didn't go to church. And, and Brother Dave, they didn't know a, a verse of scripture. But, but they knew one, I reckon. They knew if thou beatest him, he'll not die. And so, I mean, they're just trying to beat the devil out of me. Amen. But I'm just telling you, they'd look at somebody that was evil. And Brother Jason, they'd say, he's full of the devil. She's full of the devil. You don't hear people say that much anymore. But it's as much true right now as what it was back then. You know why some people do the things they do, they just full of the devil, amen. Amen, the demon. I see the depression. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 39. The spirit taketh him and he suddenly crieth out. This man is tormented. 
Now, all depression, don't misunderstand me. All depression is not demonic by no means. In fact, if you read in Psalms chapter 40, the psalmist said, Why are thou cast down, O my soul? Say people fight and battle depression. I do think depression uh, can be oppression at times and, and sometimes it is physical or maybe a, a chemical imbalance. Uh, uh, maybe there's something there that, that is causing that. Uh, something is out of whack. Uh, uh, maybe there's a, a hormone imbalance or something. We understand that there's physical problems that, that can cause depression and that can mess us up emotionally and even mentally. I understand that, those disorders. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, there's also the spiritual side of things. Uh, and when the devil, my friend, will tap in... Uh, and he'll oppress a saint of God, but he'll possess someone that is lost, and this boy is dealing with that. He's having to deal with this demon living inside of him, and it caused him to cry out. He is tormented. Hey, there are people today, you want to know why they blow their brains out, and they shoot their veins up with dope, and why, listen, they do some of the horrific things, and they just end their life all of a sudden. I'll tell you why. They're depressed, and the devil's got a hold of some of them. Hey, that's the condition of this boy right here. I see the demon in the details, the depression. Notice the destruction. The Bible said it teareth him. He foameth again and bruising him hardly departeth. I mean this devil has got a hold of this boy. He's having convulsions. He, he, he teareth him. He foameth. The Bible said again and bruising him. I mean this young man, the Bible calls him a lunatic in one place. He is controlled. What I want you to see tonight is this man has this son and he has a serious problem. He knows that no one on this earth can help him but Jesus. And I see his desperation, his detail. I see his disappointment. Look at verse number 40. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. The inability of the disciples had discouraged this man. He brings this boy to these disciples of the Lord. Nine of them were still in this valley while Jesus and the other three was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He brings this boy to, uh, to him hoping that these uh, disciples, these preachers uh, uh, of our Savior could help him. But to his own disappointment, I mean he's tried everything else. Uh, the Pharisees would not touch him. Uh, religion could not help him. Perhaps maybe the disciples could. But the disciples could not help him. Jesus said in another passage of Scripture that this kind cometh forth but by prayer and fasting. And we read of another passage of Scripture where some of the disciples got jealous of an unnamed uh, uh, man that was casting out devils uh, and they forbid him because he didn't run with them. Amen. He wasn't one of the twelve but he was doing a great work for God and they forbid him and Jesus rebuked them for that. Uh, it was their own pride that he was doing something that they could not do. Obviously whoever that man was uh, he was praying and he was fasting and God had given them the ability to do that. But on this day Here's a man with a boy, but he cannot get the help that he needs. You know, it's sad if people go to churches and they're looking for help and they can't get it. That's why it's important that we don't change things. That's why it's important we keep this King James Bible. That's why it's important we don't have contemporary music. 
That's why it's important that we don't drop our standards, amen, and we don't, we, that's why it's important we don't get rid of the pulpit. They want us to think that's not a big deal, but, but it is a big deal because it's a matter of principle, amen. It's a matter of identity. It's a matter of where we stand. That's why they, the pulpit don't matter. Wearing a tie behind the pulpit don't matter. I think it does. It's a matter of principle. It's a matter of identity. It means that we're not going to be casual in our service, uh, that we're going to take the sacred things of God is sacred and holy and we're going to keep it right and we're going to say well it's just a culture thing no it's not culture it's Bible amen I understand that cultures are different and people do different things and, and I wouldn't go to Brazil and I wouldn't function the same way in Brazil I listen it necessarily everything the way we do in America but we're not in Brazil tonight we're in America amen and so we hold the standard that we should hold that honors God that pleases him that gives him the glory amen and we don't need this dressed down society. We don't need this dumbed down of religion and watered down of the word of God. Amen. Are y'all still with me tonight? I'm just simply saying there are people coming through the doors that are just like this man and they need help and they need something that's real and they need something that's right and they need something that's beyond religion that will get a hold of them and that will change their life. Amen. And I'm not telling you I have power. But I don't want to be a powerless disciple to you. And I see here the man, but then I want you to notice in verse 41, the master. And I want you to notice the words of the master. Jesus answers. He, he has something to say to this crowd. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Well, think about this. Uh, some say that Jesus was speaking directly to the disciples. Others say that he was speaking to just the, the company of people. Some say that he was talking directly to the boy that was demon-possessed. But I think, and I'm not a, a Bible scholar tonight, but I think the message was for every ear that was there to hear. The religious crowd was there, those Jews that were there, but they were a faithless and perverse generation because they were trusting in their organized religion and their ceremonial laws uh, when Christ was trying to get them uh, to look to him and trust in him. Uh, and he says, oh, faithless uh, and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? The words of, uh, of the Savior. It's interesting that Jesus takes the situation and he turns it into a sermon you know isn't that like the Lord he turns everything into a sermon if we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit he always has something to say to us about every encounter of life he that hath an ear let him hear what the Spirit say to the church you know I think the greatest tool the devil uses in my life and yours is the tool of distraction he wants us to be so busy that we are distracted from, his, from the voice of God. He wants us to be so overwhelmed with schedules and with things. And I know everybody has schedules and, and we have events and, and things. But there is a burden in busyness whenever it, it comes to the place that it causes us to not stop, to not meditate, to not be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can work yourself to the bone but miss the message. Amen. And every time we come to the house of God, I even thought about, as I mentioned it this morning, I thought about this week. I, I would emphasize it again. It amazed me how that we 
had so many people out sick, uh, but we still had good crowds. Hey, this is a good crowd tonight uh, when you look at it. And there's a lot of people that are out sick. Uh, but I think about most of all, there were so many people out, but still a good crowd. But most of all, there was one presence that showed up every single service. No matter the size of the crowd, he still had something he wanted to say to us. You know, tonight is amazing. He still has something he wants to say to us tonight. It'd be easy to do like a lot of other churches and say, well, we're not going to have uh, Sunday night church no more. Or we're not going to have uh, Wednesday night church anymore. But I'll tell you, the, you think about all the Wednesday nights and Sunday nights that you came to church when you wasn't looking for nothing, but God had something to say. You see, Jesus would deliver a message in times when it seemed like there was nothing to say. The words of the master. And then I noticed the willingness of the master. Look at verse number 41. He said, bring thy son hither. Jesus said, bring him to me. You know, that's really all that man could do, but it was really all he had to do. He just had to get this boy to Jesus. He couldn't help this boy, he couldn't change this boy's life, but he could get him, he could get him to the Lord. And I want to tell you tonight, that's what's important in all of our life is that we get people to Christ. That we bring people to Jesus. You say, I can't help them, and you can't, but, but the Lord can help them. And I noticed something else in that little phrase that not only did that man bring him to Jesus in verse 41, Christ said, bring thy son hither. That put the responsibility on that man. In other words, you and I have a responsibility. Sinners are not just going to come to Christ by themselves. We have to go get them. We have to take the gospel to them. We have to witness to them. We, we have to go. We have to give. Why? Because they're not coming on their own. I'm going to tell you why they're not coming. Because they can't come. You realize this old boy couldn't have got to Jesus on his own if he wanted to. That demon had such a control on him. He's possessed. He's a lunatic. He couldn't have found Christ in and of himself. Somebody had to bring him. But I'll tell you something else. Jesus was willing to take him. Well, all of his problems... No matter how bad, no matter how destitute, no matter how hopeless this boy looks in verse number 39, Jesus said, bring thy son hither. No problem too big, no demon too great, no situation too dark that the Lord's not willing to help. He's on bottom. This man is on bottom. His son is on bottom. And I'm going to tell you something. He's on bottom with Jesus. Amen. Isn't it good? You may hit bottom, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, if you're looking for God, you won't hit bottom by yourself. Amen. Uh, if you look around, uh, thank God he showed up uh, and he helped him uh, and he helped his son uh, and he helped, uh, he helped his father and no doubt he helped everybody that was there. I'm telling you, I've hit bottom a few times, uh, but thank God I never hit it by myself. Uh, the Lord was right there. Uh, the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. Uh, he'll be there when nobody else will. Uh, he'll be there when it doesn't look like there's no way out and when a situation looks hopeless I thank God when hope's all gone help is on the way hallelujah and I see tonight uh, the master the words of the master the willingness of the master and then the work of the master because in verse 42 he heals the child and I want us to notice finally the miracle of verse 42 
Again, we see the devil. Look, the Bible says, and he was as he was yet coming. Notice this: the devil threw him down and tear him. You know what I wrote beside that was this: Satan never gives up. That devil living in that boy, as he's coming to Jesus, they're bringing him to Jesus. And on the way to Christ, uh, that devil knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to be defeated. He knows what Jesus is going to do. But in spite of that, with every step that boy takes, guess what? He takes it as an opportunity. To the very end, uh, he keeps on and keeps on. The devil never quits. Amen. I'm telling you, we may give up on sinners, but the devil never quits. He never lets up. I'm telling you, listen, coming all the way down the aisle, if you was here tonight, lost uh, and you need to be saved the devil will tell you coming all the way down the aisle don't you get saved you don't need to be saved uh, he'll try to talk you out of an invitation he'll try to hold you in a pew uh, even when you get to the altar he'll do what he can to try to distract you and talk you out of uh, getting saved uh, I've seen people come to the altar and listen they were under conviction and God dealt with their soul uh, but they got down here and they just couldn't pull the trigger they just couldn't come clean with God uh, and they got up and left the same way they came you know why that is? Because the devil never quits. You know, if Satan don't ever give up on people, well, surely we should never give up on them. And they're bringing that boy, and while they're bringing that boy with every step, that devil, the Bible says here that he threw him down and he tore him. He, he tried one last time to prevent him from getting to Christ. Thank God, notice the dominion in this verse. The Bible says, and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit. I'm glad Jesus has got more power than Satan has tonight. I don't want to give the devil no credit, amen. The Bible said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I don't think in a testimony we ought to give him no credit. I don't think we ought to get up and, uh, and praise the devil and say, well, he's been giving me a hard time and he's been running me rough shot. No, I'm telling you, don't give that booger one ounce. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, he went before God in the book of Job uh, and he said, Lord, he said, he told the Lord, he said, if you'll, if you'll just put him in my hand, he said, he'll curse you to your face and die. And I'm going to tell you, that's even what Job's wife said. No doubt the devil was working through her uh, to try to get Job to do the one thing that the devil told God he would do. He, she said to him, she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die. And I'm going to tell you something in all of that. Job kept his integrity. Amen. He may have doubted but he never cursed. Amen. He never blamed God for any of that. And he said the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm telling you what Job did. He fastened his eyes toward heaven and God gave him enough grace. And when all of hell had turned against him, he turned the captivity of Job. Why? Because Job kept his faith and he trusted in God. Hallelujah. You know, I'm glad tonight, Brother Craig. I'm glad that come what may, no matter what happens in this life, God's will will always prevail. I'm not a Calvinist tonight. I believe that every man has a choice. But I promise you tonight, God will have the last say in everything. I can make a lot of choices of my own will and I can go my own way. But God's will is ultimately going to be accomplished in the end. And that doesn't make me a Calvinist tonight. We have free will. We have choice. But God is sovereign tonight, isn't he? And he has more power than Satan has. 
And tonight, I, I've seen saints, and you have too, I've seen them come to church when their hearts were heavy and, and maybe they had lost a loved one or they'd been through some great trial or, or maybe just the devil had been on their back and, and they would come to church and, and you would pray and say, Lord, would you help them? Would you give them something in this service that, that would strengthen them for the journey and that somehow they would get up in the middle of a service uh, and listen, if you didn't know, you'd think nothing was wrong and they'd begin to praise God and magnify magnify God uh, and they, listen you not, wouldn't even know some of the burdens that they were bearing in life uh, how can God's people do that I'll tell you how it, because God's got more grace uh, uh, God's got more power uh, God has the ability to give us strength beyond measure and to take us beyond ourselves. Uh, that when it looks like our world is crashing in uh, and when it looks like the devil's got us backed in a corner somewhere somehow in some way uh, uh, God will give us the strength uh, to keep praying Pressing on for the glory and the honor of God. Amen. He gives us the power. And I see the dominion. And finally, notice with me the deliverance. He healed the child, and I like this. He delivered him again to his father. Don't you know there was great delight when that father and that son, the Bible calls him a child two different times. And I can't imagine what it must have been like. It had to be a sweet moment, a sweet reunion. When a boy that was a lunatic, that was having convulsions, that was demon-possessed, and a father who was at his wit's end and last ray of hope, Jesus heals him and picks that boy up and puts his hand in that father's hand. I don't know what that crowd, if they shouted, but if I'd have been there, I'd have shouted, wouldn't you? Thank God if you'd have been there, you'd have shouted. I mean, that pharisaical crowd, probably uh, they probably turned their nose up and walked off. But I'll tell you one thing. I bet there's some mamas and daddies standing in that crowd that had some children, and they felt for that man and probably thought, hey, if that was my son and that boy, I'm telling you, there was a fame, no doubt, that went out because Jesus worked once again in a situation that looked hopeless. And I'm here to tell you, friend, you might be on bottom tonight, but just look up. Uh, the same God that helped him is the same God that'll help me. He's the same God that can help you and nobody is too far gone that what God can't reach further down than what they can reach up. He knows how to help us tonight. Hallelujah. And I wonder tonight, you may be at the bottom or on the bottom, but I'm glad that the same God that was on the mountain is the same God that's in the valley. The same God that revealed his glory to Peter, James, and John showed his power to a desperate man in a desperate situation. You know, you got a desperate situation tonight. Sometimes the devil will say, give up. But God's still on the throne tonight. And you believe God's able, don't you? And I believe God's able. And we believe God together, don't we? And there's others tonight that have desperate situations. And I'm going to tell you tonight, there's more power in prayer than we could ever imagine this man does not pray a pretty prayer. He doesn't have time to impress anybody. He just throws his need at the feet of Jesus and said, I can't do anything with it. But Lord, you can. I don't know how much faith that man had, but I know he had enough faith, this much faith, that even when the disciples had failed, he had enough faith to believe that Jesus could still help him. 
And tonight as we stand.